The oldest question in the universe, hidden in plain sight. Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Doctor Who. Welcome to the Whovian Review. Who am I? I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Collington. And I'm pretty sure I'm Jace, but who is the doctor? We don't know. Doctor Who? Who Jason? <laughs> and tonight's episode is The Wedding of River Song, the finale to season six. And wow, what a finale it was. Well, it's like, let's take every single character that's ever been in Doctor Who in the past and shove it all into one finale and see what happens. Well, but it, <laughs> but it actually worked. I mean, it made sense with the, with the plot, you know? The Doctor's constantly running into the most influential people and in, in all this type of stuff. And then, like, of course, you know, they're the most prominent ones that pop out. When uh, when all time gets all muddled up, and yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they finally said it. They finally said Doctor Who. It's the name of the show. Now <laughs> the show's title makes perfect sense. Why it's called Doctor Who? It's the oldest question, and now yeah, now it all comes full circle. I think perfect the, way to reboot the series after so many decades in the work. I think the first gripe I have is that this is one of those episodes you must have seen prior episodes in order to see imagine if you had seen this as your very first episode right imagine if the first episode i watched was episode four of the invasion of time it was <laughs> i think that was the joke colin <laughs> <laughs> okay but no i'm just saying that that's one thing that's one gripe i have about this episode is that it is very reliant on past adventures, well, yeah, which makes what, sense. What I'm saying is, is that it's it's a continuous story arc. I mean, you have to, you, I like, agree. yeah. I mean, like that's like you know, saying that you know all the like, all the part anything other than one of you know the classic stories are, are no good because you have to have seen the previous one. But it does rely heavily on prior. Um, episodes that are even further back than just Matt Smith. I mean... You... Yeah, there were a ton of callbacks in this. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, in all these prior episodes, you... And if you didn't have the context, you would see a bearded Matt Smith, and you'd think that's normal. You wouldn't think that a bearded Matt Smith, you know, would be anything out of the ordinary in this episode. But if you have the context of previous episodes, <laughs> you see all the clean-shaven Matt Smiths. Same then, that robot, then you dude. Then you have to question yourself... Is this a better look for the doctor? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like in the finale of a season, like, it's sort of expected that you're going to at least pull in, you know, some other, like, some big story arc things. I agree. I mean, I love how they brought Simon Callow back as Charles Dickens. He's just, I mean, even though he's just got a very small cameo, he's still is like an essential part to Doctor Who's history with the Christopher Eccleston series. And um, just seeing him on live television in the in the current present day or future of the program just was kind of, okay, yeah, this is different. It so well in this bizarre time-stopping where you have, you know, Roman centurions stopping at the crossing walk and you have pterodactyls, you know, in the parks with the signs discouraging feeding. Yeah. William Churchill is, of course, back. 
I would say, you know, my my major gripe with this, actually, it's a pretty minor gripe my, uh, with this episode is, like, <laughs> how they did, you know, what time it is. Because, like, they were in, so they were in Nevada starting out. It's right before sunset, right? And then, like, they're in England, and it's midday, and... They go to Cairo and it's like sunset and it's all supposed to be at 5.02 p.m. And that just, I mean, wouldn't it? Day or night, it's 5.02 p.m. It's it's a time problem, Shelby. This is why it's a a crisis. Maybe it's still 5.02 for the doctor at the lake in Utah. It is not 5.02 everywhere else. Yeah, so why was it evening in Utah and in Cairo at the same time? I was thinking it might be 5.02 everywhere. All That's the what time. I was thinking. The and time on every move. planet. Uh-huh. Of course, does that make sense? I mean, if, is, if no, there no, is no. no reference, does having a specific time make sense? No, no, no. I think what they're trying to say here is that 502 represents the time the doctor is in Utah only. And that when you go around the world, you're going to different points in time around the world because it's actually the same point in time around the world, but just obviously the sun's going to be in a different place. So, if, like for right now, yes, that's my point exactly. Right. Because but the sun seems to be but, the but, sun's in close to the sure. same place. It's like in Nevada, United States. It's like five o two p.m. That's the alternative reality where five o two is only. There is no five o two in other parts of the alternative reality because they're in a totally different time stream would be my guess. That's the only thing I could come up with. In other words, to further explain, basically you've got in the reality universe, you've got 502. And it's always, it's very slowly staying at 502. It's almost like it's frozen in time. In this pocket universe, Time moves normally, even though it still says 502 on the clock because they're monitoring that universe, that the alternative reality, or the main reality, I guess you could say. The alternative reality is monitoring the main reality, making sure that that clock does not move. Because once that moves, then that alternative reality is going to go away. But it doesn't entirely because, like, at least Amy's able to retain memories of it. Well, that's because she's Amy. She has oh, yeah, had I guess that. That's true. She, Amy is Amy. <laughs> but she's got the, that's because of the crack in her walls. Got that's it. caused her to be able to have these memories thrown back to her, as described by the doctor in this episode. That's fair. Boy, I'm on top of things. I felt like this episode was on top of things tonight. I thought that all of the dialogue was extremely sharp and that, like, every moment of it was exciting in some way. Does anyone think of a moment that does not fall into that? I mean, that's <laughs> that's that's a pretty loaded statement all around. I mean, I think that there there definitely are a little moments of fillers and pockets of setup as there is necessary in any show and dialogue. <laughs> you know, I've definitely had even more episodes of Doctor Who where I felt more engaged and more attentive throughout the whole episode. That's not to say this this episode wasn't highly engaging, um, but you know, bold bold claims. <laughs> there, I think, I think Dorian kind of got a little cheesy in being a headless person and still alive, and just kind of being able to talk all these nonsense things. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, he was he had kind a of self-deprecating attitude to oh, being a blue headless guy. I mean, no, I agree. I mean, there and, was, but it, but it was very in keeping with his character. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Although honestly, uh, my Wi-Fi problem chips. with it with him, it, it doesn't seem like he's able to really think outside the box. Ha. I can't stand him. <laughs> I actually, I love that scene, though, when the doctor brings him into the TARDIS and, you know, calls up the brigadier and is like, let's go out again, and then finds out that he's passed away because the actor who who played him, Nicholas Courtney, had passed away um, at that point. Mm -hmm. And he had been, uh, you know, a long-running character in Doctor Who and shown up with many of the doctors, um, starting with the second, but really heavily with the third and um, fourth, really. And... Shows up with the fifth and seventh, yeah, and on the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, so he he's you know around a lot, and 
it, you know, it was impactful, and I thought that that was a really beautiful moment right I there. I realized that. That's really nice. I think yeah, Nicholas like Courtney awesome. takes the cake for being the longest, uh, <laughs> or the the person who has the longest duration of time between his first encounter with the doctor and his last. That oh, wow. makes sense. In terms of our time, too. Yeah. Um, just because the, the Brigadier basically has been with the Doctor for multiple incarnations, including in the audio series, he ends up with the 6th and 8th Doctor. Um, I think he may even... Oh, and he's also with the ninth, Christopher Eccleston. So there are multiple Doctors across the time and space. And his daughter, Kate Stewart, is now running UNIT, and uh, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart was, you know, running UNIT. Hey, hey. <laughs> And that, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, so then she took over from it and, you know, led with the science first attitude, which was, you know, an influence that the doctor had had on the brigadier. And we also know from the audio series that Sergeant Benton, who is part of the whole unit uh, group, he actually comes back and helps Kate Stewart out when she needs it. And so does Joe Grant, actually. She also helps out. So... A lot, nice. lot of, uh, lot of nods to the past in the audios. Teamwork makes the Doctor Who dream work. Well, yeah, and we find out that's exactly why uh, he brought Amy and Rory and River to come see his death. Is he said, "This is my team. I don't want to die alone. I want my best friends here with me." Yeah, and in a bigger sense, you know, the moral of the story here is the Doctor has such a large team in the universe. When it comes to him needing help, all he needs to do is ask. But oh, what a great scene that was. There's also a very important point, though, is that when he brings Amy, Rory, and River, he needs to make Amy and Rory think that he's actually dying. Mm-hmm. That, that is kind of the point of this episode. He does, he's, in order to keep this... The doctor lies. In order to lies. keep this deception going, the only person in the universe that knows, for the most part, is River. Because obviously she needs to know because she's the one that stops time to begin with in order to save the love of her life. Which this is. It's a love story. It is. It's a love story in other dimensions too. We have Amy and Rory reuniting once again. How how funny is it that Amy, you know, picture knows that she has this deep true love for someone out there and then draws Rory as like this typical hunk of like a male model. And then Rory actually showed up. I was like, What? He's right there and then she was just like, What? I but but cute. then she right. but then she came back for him and she that saved was him. Badass, like Rory was like, "I'm doing this, I'm saving you." That's like the gut instinct, and then she was really off, and then she came back, full blasting. And I think that's <laughs> Amy's probably best moment in all of Doctor Who. And then we follow it up with uh, murdering Madame Kavarian. Maybe and, and it it kind of mirrors the whole the doctor rises the doctor falls well Amy rises to the highest and then now she's falling down to the lowest. Well, you know, and and it's also interesting that she does it, you know, because the doctor's not in the room. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I wouldn't want him to know this about me, but he's not here. <laughs> yeah, and you kept me from raising my baby and kidnapped it and put a fake one in my arms and then there she is. Somewhat realistic because being yeah. a mother that's lost her child, that's huge. Earth mother. And I mean it obviously shows that Amy has more to her characterization than just following the doctor. And can we can I also point out how hot Karen Gillan looked in this episode? I mean, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not into women and I was even like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you can still acknowledge I mean, beautiful. Honestly, now. she's bringing it pretty consistently. She she is, but I felt like, you know, like the way her hair was done and just sort of I like her outfit and attitude. Even the eye patch kind of makes it a little interesting. Yeah, well, business. all right. <laughs> no, it gave her a little bit more gravitas. Gave her yeah, that's edge. fair. Yeah, Something to try out later. <laughs> um, River has handcuffs again, so, you know, while we're on the subject. She always wants the doctor in handcuffs. Yeah. Oh, wait, this is not Doctor Who after dark, guys. Come on, let's, let's get on. <laughs> it's what happened in the more. episode. Yeah, they they made a joke about it. Well, yeah. we, we, have, we have some really high-quality Doctor River flirting in this episode. I think we did. And, and of course, Madame uh, Kavarian is like, no, why do I have to be here? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, speaking of cringe, how about when Amy realizes that she's the doctor's mother-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> she genuinely had to take a step back. Oh my god, that, that, that was... That was great. Everyone's acting was really on point. The acting was on point. I will give and you that. And I thought yes. the writing was on point. Um, how about that wedding? Very unexpected. Pretty Not quick. Seen. No, it, mean, it was not a dance. dance. I mean, there's there's so many elements lacking from a proper wedding, but. You know, that's probably just my own Western. Well, well you know, Eurocentric he, universe. You know, we had a big wedding, and, you know, I don't. Well, the, doc, the doctor said they'd have to do the quick version because they're in a combat setting, so. Yeah, and I understand why. I'm just, you know, I'm just commenting. Yeah, Liz was cute with the tie. Yeah, I mean, we, they did the quick one there, but where was our 30-minute mini-sode of the ceremony? <laughs> that would have been and cute to have, like, a small, like, mini-sode of them just, like, on a beach or on a different planet or something, even for, like, a second yeah, or so. Yeah, with their friends so. from different parts of the Hooniverse all coming together. Yeah. Know. I don't know. I kind of think this was perfect like, wedding for the doctor, you know, like. It, it's a very doctor wedding. Yeah. But he's also so used to, like, crashing him. Like, yeah, I just love to see, like, Bill dancing with K-9. No, but I mean, like... Out, like <laughs> out under the lights. I mean, I'm just saying, there's a lot of possibilities that can happen across time and space in the universe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, here's an interesting factoid. The guy who plays that uh, Gantok, who has that really big chin that uh-huh. helps the doctor out, mm-hmm. that's actually Mark Gattis. Not too many people know that. Oh, I don't even know who Mark Gassis is. is. Thank you. He's, he, he's a writer. He's a writer for Doctor Who and Sherlock. Writer and actor. And what's, he, what's next? Directing? Producing? He's in a lot of Doctor Who episodes, too. The Johnny Boy, who does, who um, is the uh, the guy who's in the, uh, the World War II-styled airplane in space that saves the Doctor in Victory of the Daleks and comes back for the seventh episode. A Good Man Goes to War. Yes. He's that's Mark Gaddis as well. Uh. He's also in um, a David Tennant story, so he's through. He he's always in Doctor Who. How throughout. many more Mark Gaddises are there in Doctor Who that we don't know about yet? Uh, sure, there's plenty. He's probably been in about five or six episodes at least. So, <laughs> no, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, he's also written quite a few of them. Go ahead. Another interesting tidbit about this episode is the. Uh, Guys who built the set for that whole thing where, where Gantu is like walking him through and he, that's where Dorium is, is being held and all the skulls and everything. Mm-hmm. He, he was just given the direction. Um, they walk through an Indiana Jones-like crypt. <laughs> <laughs> and man, I feel like he nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no, they did very good with that one. I like the I like the skulls. That was kind of actually spooky. It was. And they turn, you know, with the question. There are no rats in there. Yeah. They eat them. Funny that he is the one that says that and then ends up getting eaten himself. Yeah, that was probably the point. Okay, so we haven't really talked about the silence and much more largely we haven't talked about the fact that the doctor didn't actually die and they've been teasing this all season of well, you know like because well because we see the the doctor the doctor family, lies actually, doctor who lies right it's, right no no i'm just saying like they, they, they finally wrapped that up and they wrapped up the whole river timeline in this so we've got the doctor you know escaping using the tesselecta and like how great because we had such a you know beautifully tragic moment at the beginning and then we zip back to it at the end and see the second half of that moment and it's it's the great moment where the doctor swoops in and fixes everything but this time for himself and he you know pulls in help and he goes in the tesselecta and survives and it's it's such, I feel like this whole thing was just a very doctor thing. So I actually disagree with, with Colin on the, on the wedding thing because I think that having a wedding in a, you know, world that never was in, you know, where time is all happening at once and also not happening at all and all of the people from around the universe are coming back, yes, w- doctor, we want to help you and you're My he's there with his best friends and, jest, you know, opportunities out there. and with, uh, You know, and he has to do it in order to save the universe. I mean, I feel like that is all the elements of the things the doctor would most want in his wedding. (laughs) 
Well, and, and the fact that he whispers, obviously, to River Song to look into his eye, that, that whole thing was actually very well done. I think I kind of predicted that once I had seen Let's Kill Hitler, because um, it just made sense that the Doctor would use something like that. But... Um, but I didn't, I mean, I didn't see it coming in quite the same, in this way, which is why I think it was kind of a a great moment to see, um, when River finally realizes what's happening and she just gets this elation and that's acting on, on Alex Kingston's part right there. Yeah. A lot of great acting on Matt Smith's part because we really see him very much struggling to, you know, keep the deception up with Amy on the train. And we see, you know, him being like, I'm so sorry that I have to do this to you, River, but, like, there's not another way out of it. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> you know, that just all of it. I do have a question. Yes. So we remember that sequence in which the River wanted to make the point of Look how many people you have supporting you. Like when we said, you know, the doctor needs help. And then there were so many people that were able to come and like support him and try to help him. My question was like, why didn't like all a lot of his villains come and try to take like a first seat at, you know, the death or try to contribute in it to say that they were the ones who killed the doctor or what? Why wasn't it like a fight for his life since he was already coming to like an obvious end? And that was like announced to like the whole universe. Hmm. That's a great question. Because I was thinking of that one scene in which the doctor was looking up at the sky and being like, you know, think about who defeated you and all this kind of stuff. I was kind of imagining that kind of same thing there. Especially when he was at his end. Also, it would have been a very short episode if the doctor had just simply shown his eye to River Song to make sure everything was taken care of. He didn't have to go through so many hoops as he did, That's not fun. perhaps. I, I, I mean, obviously, as us as an audience, it makes more better television. But I'm just saying, why couldn't he have just said, hey, River, just look into my eye? Well, the more people who know a secret, the more likely the secret is going to get out. So it's probably safer for her to not know. Well, yeah, especially if she's around other people. But I guess that was the moment where he felt, okay, this is the time to tell her. Well, I think also the doctor didn't know that that was possible, <laughs> that she could actually do that. Like, I, I think that he he thought that, you know, this moment was going to happen and he wouldn't have to reveal anything for her. <laughs> but we definitely see a lot of, you know, River being Amy's daughter in this one. Yeah. And Rory's, for that matter. I find it also interesting, because River's always the one that's, like, out killing people and doing this and doing that, and always in jail. And in this episode, you do see Amy come out and actually be like, you hurt my daughter, I don't care about you. I feel like that was kind of River rubbing off on Amy. I think it was kind of like a mother-daughter kind of relationship. Like It's all cyclical. Yeah. Well, Amy even said it. She was like, you know, River didn't get it all from you. So Amy at least thinks that it's... From her. It also, like, kind of can't be, but... Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you know? Especially since they grew up together. Maybe they inspired... Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. (laughs) River literally kind of raised her mom, in a sense. Yeah. Definitely influenced each other. We grew up with her mom, yeah. Well, and here we see them having, you know... I guess a relatively normal mother-daughter while both adults type of thing because at the end, you know, River's just going to, like, visit her parents because she just ran through Amy's meeting her for the first time where the, you know, big ship, the Byzantium, crashed and it was, you know, this whole maze full of weeping angels and they had to get on the ship and there was a crack in time and all that jazz in season five. And this is, you know, that's when River came back for her second story after Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead. And we uh, see Amy interacting with her, and then she just steps out of that situation and is like, I'm going to go visit my parents. So she goes and visits them, and then Amy's all like, yeah, I got us some wine. The doctor's dead. (laughs) And River's like, ooh. (laughs) And then does a really nice thing because she does actually tell Amy and Rory because, you know, the doctor's always like, "Ah, I can't burden these, you know, my companions with such things and whatever. And then it's like sometimes you just want to shake them and be like, no, just tell them that they have to keep it a secret. (laughs) 
<laughs> they will do that. And that's basically what River does, which is kind of awesome. Definitely. We didn't really touch too much on the silence, but they do definitely come back into this episode. Right, and silence silence will fall when the question is asked. We know it's because the doctor needs to, you know, be killed to not answer the question, Doctor Who. Michael, are you talking about the species, or are you talking about the, uh, the organization? Well, obviously the species, because they're the ones that are there in these... distinction. I mean, I mean... The, the real question, I think, really, about this episode is species who? <laughs> <laughs> Silence who? <laughs> I was questioning how do they breathe in, in that fluid stuff? I think the oxygen just forgets that they're around. And, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow their needs are just met, whether they have it or not. That's a good answer. <laughs> I'm not sure if that works, but... <laughs> don't know if oxygen has that kind of I'm sentient being. Don't think about it too deeply. You can't think about Doctor Who that deeply. You know, mm-hmm. in one moment, fixed points are fixed. The other time, hell on high heels comes through and fixed points are all wibbly-wobbly. I did like where they were kind of in that uh, that kind of liquid and that woman made the point of being like, oh yeah, they've never been trapped. They were just waiting, by the way. And then it's just everything's flooding and falling apart. Because it is just glass. I mean, I just assumed it was like bulletproof or anything. But I'm also thinking they can control electricity. They're probably strong. Yeah, and they probably have gills or something that let them breathe. Well, they're aliens. We can't just make assumptions. Yeah. They got powers for sure. Yeah. And very long Terrifying, creepy powers. Yeah. And, you know, so we finally figure out what the whole eye patch thing is. It's an eye drive so people can remember the silence. But then, so the silence can also just, like, remotely electrocute them. Mm-hmm. So all these people and the silence are all kind of grabbed into this alternative reality. So my question is, do they just simply go back to the reality? And if you died in this alternative reality, do you then get reborn in or put back as you were? Or are you going to go back as a dead person? I just don't know. I think I think you go back like so I think that Madame Kavarian is still alive in like the main universe um in in there like and i think that that was kind of river's point that you know amy didn't kill her because she's not dead now so okay so everybody that died in the alternative reality comes back don't die because it is an alternative reality right and and in the same sense if anyone was born in an alternative reality they probably cease to exist I think that's one of the ish- issues I had when I first saw this was that it was kind of confusing as to how that worked with this alternative timeline and where does everybody fit into it and how Kavarian actually survives if she actually dies in this alternative reality because she's obviously the same woman with all the same memories and everything else so I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know, we get the clue there, the fact that Amy can remember what happened and River can remember what happened and the doctor can remember what happened. Like, we know that these are the same people who were put back in timelines. So, you know, I imagine that probably people who weren't particularly like related to the main events probably just popped back exactly where they were at 5.02 p.m. <laughs> it's funny how in Doctor Who, time can just affect memories and nothing else to do with human biology. Yeah. Well, no, because Amy implied that, like, no one's hair was growing or anything when... Except for the doctors. Except for the doctors. Yeah, but Amy certainly has memories and her hair grows. There are There's other memory leakage all around where you're really in completely different realities. But somehow this one little memory piece bleeds in when, you know, I think by modern day, you know, interpretation memories are biological structures that has to do with your brain and how your body works and everything else. It's, you know, maybe know. maybe it's kind of like the whole Clara thing. When 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 this, a twelfth doctor actually saves Clara, he takes her out of time altogether, and she's kind of stuck herself into this little one minute section of her life or one second of her life and well spoilers yes but i mean we've already podcasted on it that doesn't mean how they have seen it (laughs) true but um 
But I guess my question is, or my thought process on that is, would it make sense that this is kind of the same thing? People are taken, their hearts aren't beating in this alternative reality. It's kind of similar to that, in a sense, where it's a Time Lord right. technology. Right, which is why I don't think that the sun was rising and setting as days were going by in this place. I think it was frozen. Yeah, that was kind of my conception, too, but I, I think that's, you know, a point about this episode, and I don't know if it's time to ro- uh, roll into ratings, but I'm I'm kind of feeling like we've we've covered most of the Okay, bases. yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Anyone objections? Go for it, Colin. Um, so, yeah, and, and I guess I'll just take a step back, and, and wow, this is a fantastic episode. We have a lot coming to the head, and we have the doctor getting married, telling him someone, telling someone uh, his name, or, or does he? Um, but uh, but honestly, there's there's a lot of excitement, great acting, uh, and uh, it's very engaging across the board. Um, it's it is hard to really think of great legitimate criticisms to this, but I think Michael hit it on the head um, kind of early, and just when we were talking about now, it, it gets to be a little disorienting because you know it's hard to say how time is working here. Are there alternative pockets, pocket dimensions in the works? Is the, are things really frozen? And really past that, I think Michael was really right in that you really need to have a lot of Doctor Who knowledge to really keep on task and understand what's going on here. Um, I mean, clearly, you know, us, we're Doctor Who fans. We've seen it all in, you know, a lot of these multiple times. It's very, it comes together easily for us. But I think it is really like a, a Doctor Who exam. For some other people, and you know, not necessarily everybody is really in, invited to the party. You know, if, if you are coming into this for a first episode, or if you s- saw just every other episode and hear weeks in between each other, you know, um, one time. Um, so I think that is a, a uh, you know a worthwhile criticism here. I also, you know, while I think it's a nice kind of a setup and continuation of a lot of that's going on across Doctor Who's history, um, it also just, you know, just spits in the face of Doctor Who's rules, you know, of fixed points that aren't really fixed, you know, rules don't really matter, Um, even though we like to pretend that they do sometimes, and it's very important for, you know, some plot lines, but I think it makes fixed points wibbledy-wobbledy too. Um, For this episode, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I think there are reasons for it not earning a 10 out of 10. For me, it's going to get a 9 out of 10. I'd like to go next. All right. Well, I mean, I think that they actually did kind of drive home the fixed point because time literally fell apart when they didn't follow the fixed point. But then they went past the fixed point and the doctor still got to live and what was supposed to be a thing of the doctor really dying never happened. Well, the doctor was there, and the events of everyone reacting and stuff happened, so maybe that was enough for it. Yeah, okay, so I guess, you know, any perceived fixed points might not actually be real fixed points. But I think in that same sense, it kind of makes them meaningless. Like, if the doctor doctor really thinks something's a fixed point and it's not, like, you know, isn't everything open to interpretation pretty easily? Mm, I suppose so. That's why I think it cheapens it a little bit. Not to say that, you know, a reason for breaking the rules, true love and and River and River's influence isn't a magical, heartwarming, you know, plot device. I, I don't want to take that away from it. I mean, that's the way to do it if you're going to do it. But I think it still is rule-breaking. That's fair. Um, all right, I love this episode, and... Uh, if you couldn't tell, um, I no, thought I thought the writing was spectacular. Um, the dialogue was just brilliant. Just the story and the way that the story was told, with you know the doctor explaining things to Winston Churchill and flashing back. We didn't even talk about that epic, you know, scene at the beginning where the doctor's you know seemingly being melancholy about his own impending death. But it turns out he is just threatening this Dalek, and it is just so, you know, beautiful. And uh, it, it just, I thought that this was great. And yeah, okay, I, I get your point about, you know, having to 
know, you know, previous episodes in order to follow it. But, like, so what? I mean, it's a long-term story, and every once in a while you're going to have some major plot developments that you, you know, really only make sense in context. And I thought that this brought in a lot of really great stuff. It also brought in... um, forgot to mention a reference on when the doctor pops in and says, honey, I'm home. And she says, and what sort of time do you call this? Well, we find out, you know, so later in River's time stream, but earlier in the doctor's, when the, uh, we go through the Pandorica opens and the big bang and the doctor, you know, pops into the TARDIS rescue river, who's trapped in a, you know, infinite time loop. They have the same back and forth says, you know, hey, hi, honey, I'm home. And she goes, what sort of time do you call this? And, you know, it's just kind of fun, a lot of callbacks there. Um, I thought, you know, Amy was just, yeah, absolutely at her height. We see Rory continue to be Rory. We also have a great, you know, interaction with the doctor, totally failing to try to set up Amy and Rory. And, um... I just thought that, like, there was great character development, great plot development. So many things got tied together so perfectly, and I just felt like this really wrapped up so many, you know, plot points in just a really brilliant way. And, you know, for all of this stuff that's been hanging out there for so long, like, it would have been so easy to let some of it, you know, drop and not quite tie it up and, you know mess some part of it up but like I really thought that all of it was you know far from disappointing I thought that it really pulled together nicely we got to see in fact you know yeah okay so now we have a hundred percent confirmation River it did marry the doctor and she did you know she is in prison for murdering the doctor and we really you know it it it's all good stuff, and I'm giving this one a 10 out of 10. I don't care that we found some mistakes in it. I absolutely love it. All right. That's, that's why my review was seemingly so negative. I just thought to justify a 9 out of 10 with my wife on this episode, I really had to go somewhere <laughs> and really had to really pull. Dave, I, Dave I don't want to influence you. If you, if you, don't, if you don't like, you, you feel free no, to rate I, it. I stand by my 9 out of 10. I just know <laughs> that it was going to be immediately questioned and questioned. <laughs> I actually had more on questioning your, your, your comment about the fixed point thing. I don't doubt thing, it. I don't <laughs> Anyways, my turn. So I thought this episode provided a good amount of closure because this entire season was just this after this after this after this. And what was so incredible is that they were able to wrap up the, like, the whole entire series essentially, in literally the last few moments of the show. And I'm talking like under five to three minutes. Like, I thought it was really cool. Um, We already spoke on everything that has happened. There's Amy being a badass, Rory being Rory, but not being Rory, but then being Rory, and then we got Amy. We got action, we got the silence. I've always loved the silence, but I've never seen this episode. I've never seen this before. Because I've seen them before, but I've never seen them like this. And I I continue by it. I I love the silence. They're really cool. Everything has pretty much been said. I guess my biggest question that I mentioned earlier on was, you know, in the David Tennant era, River convinces the doctor to trust him because River knows his name. And if his name wasn't whispered in her her ear, at what point did the doctor disclose his name to River? And it was brought to my attention by Shelby that it probably, you know, happened during their last interaction because... That's the doctor knew that she had he had told her at some point in time, but I just so so that would be in the future from now for the doctor. I mean, I didn't say when, I didn't even say what doctor. (laughs) Maybe I'm going into the future and this is Doctor 16. We don't know. Go on, I lost track. My apologies. I'm sorry. Do you know if you're rating? I, I, I do, I think I do, but I did want to, you guys can't let me not touch on these skull things real quick, so I absolutely love them. They were basically like little Indiana Jones piranhas, but <laughs> moving. I thought they were really stupid and unnecessary, didn't make any sense whatsoever, but I made it fun and eerie for literally no reason. Um, I think I'm going to give this episode, can I give it like... You give it whatever you want. Thank you, Colin. 
Can I give it like a 9.8? Sure. Okay. Wow. Okay. I mean, it was gripping. It answered a lot of questions. It was very actionful. Um, we got a taste of everybody. Like, we brought back the Brigadier. We had that robot dude, the blue dude, um, all kinds of people. It was cool. Stephen Moffat seems to have the greatest capacity for confusing and convoluting his plot lines. But, but, he also has the genius of being able to take everything that he, that becomes complicated and wrapping things up in a neat package. He lands the plane. He lands the plane. And I think in this particular case, he succeeds on most accounts. I do not have a problem with the whole fixed point in time because I believe that the the uh, bogus doctor is the one that is supposed to die because he's the one that everybody thinks is the doctor. And that fixed point is what was originally intended because the doctor already had planned it. So there really wasn't much that changed. It's just that River ended up creating this whole alternative reality to s try and save her own soon-to-be husband when in fact he had already taken care of things. So it kind of negates the whole point of her having to do that in the first place. any rate, this particular story has what I think is important in terms of emotion. This is definitely a more emotional and fulfilling story than it is a plot-driven story. And that's because it's driven by the characters and their reactions to each other. And that's something that Stephen Moffat and even Russell T. Davies knew how to do during these eras. Chris Tibnall, take some notes. any rate, with that said, this story does have its faults, which I kind of pointed out earlier, but it also kind of touches you on multiple levels. And for the fans of the series who actually have been watching since William Hartnell, it kind of gives a little bit of a nod to all pasts and all, and obviously to the future. It's also kind of a reboot and a reset because the Doctor is no longer this well-known character through all the time and space. He's now considered to be either dead or a myth or a legend or something else. And so it's no longer, oh, we can count on the Doctor anymore. It's more like, okay, well, he was a passing thought. Now it's not so much anymore. I like that idea because a lot of you, a lot of shows need that kind of refresher and it sets up what can happen what can happen in the future. Um, I like this story. I, I personally enjoyed it when I saw it. Um, the music is amazing and I got to put that in there. The direction is amazing. Um, but I'm going to give this a solid eight out of ten. I don't oh. think it I don't think it quite touches the the um, the grandeur or the the epicness of some of the other season finales and this in my this would probably be the first of the weakest of uh, the finales that I would say um, so I I just saw a draw a drop <laughs> I know and and it's it's not saying that it's necessarily bad it's just compared to series five, and compared to series four, and compared to series one, but and compared is, to which, series which, ten, which, by the way, all would have been confusing without having seen prior episodes. Not as confusing as this one. I didn't feel like this episode was supposed to be that epic or crazy. Like this was just like the bringing it all home episode. It can still be a good episode and not be as flashy. And I agree. Next to the other ones, it does kind of look like it sucks. And I feel like I would appreciate this a little more on the second viewing. Like it was supposed to wrap up the Doctor's death. Like that's not something that's gonna be hella insane like everything else we've seen. Another... It's closure. An, I, I see that there is definitely a love between the Doctor and and River, but... Um, and I think Alex Kingston really brings it home because she's always on par with her acting with regards to the love story. It makes sense that Matt Smith wouldn't be because the Doctor probably doesn't exactly love people the exact same way that people love the Doctor. That makes sense. But it, it would have been nice to have the Doctor just have that a little bit more of a tender moment with River other than just the kiss. I think there would have been some level uh, of... That's the first dance I was talking about. 
yeah, it, it would have been nice just to see a little bit more of the camaraderie or a little bit more of the um, they had no time chemistry. I, I I agree with you, but I just there was no time at all in most of the episodes. <laughs> I feel like they made I, up for that. Five o two. How are we going to pack I, everything? I I, I I thought that they captured it. I, that's that's what I was saying. It was literally the kiss that saved time. Yep. And that's pretty romantic. Plus, no, I agree. Plus, you're forgetting the beginning of the episode where, you know, the doctor brings River back to witness it because he wants to make sure that she understands that, you know, she can't stop it and that's okay and he forgives her. And, you know, he really set this all up to just make sure that she was aware of that. And that is not something that the doctor, like, ever thinks to do. He, he never, you know, puts in effort to try to assuage the, the guilt of, the, you know, the people around him. He's too mm-hmm. wrapped up in what's going on. He really put in a lot of effort here to try to make it easier on her. And that, you know, I think showed some love. We do, we have the kiss. We also have, you know, the history between them. <laughs> I agree. And, and and I think that we do actually see it. In fact, I think that, you know, the beautiful thing about River is that she's the only one that I think actually matches up where she can, you know, qualify as like a legitimate romantic companion to the doctor. I think that she, you know, they really are on the same level and we see a lot of that here. And I think that we see, you know, because he talks to her like, he's just like, you know, yeah, you and me, we understand this, you know, like, what are you talking about? You, you get it, you know, type thing. Like he really does respect her and you know he also shows you know demonstrates respect for her parents by you know asking them to give consent well more so to Amy than Rory but um, you know I think that here you know we see it and then you know she says if you know if I have to kill you I'll suffer more than everyone in the universe and the doctor looks at her and is like okay I guess I owe her more than what I've been giving and is like, all right, she really wants to marry me. Well, I love her. Let's do it. And then also, you know, fills her in on the secret and, you know, gives it like puts the extra step into to making it better. I I think that it was a lot. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I, I think Michael hit it on the head again here. This is a this hits all the emotional marks and there's a few plot marks that are left to be desired there's you know some opportunities that could have been seized there's i think you know a a deep philosophical interest you know that i'd like to be still stirred by you know after this episode that i'm not but you know it, it is fantastic nonetheless and i think it really caters to a lot of doctor who fans and gives them what they want to see and I think that's why, you know, there might be some variation here. And, you know, it, it might even be a, a thing of how we're viewing it in terms of, is this a good episode for everyone? Is it a good episode for me? Is it a good episode for who? <laughs> I have a really good question, too, though, about the Doctor. Does And my question is, do, since he ended up marrying River Song in an alternative reality universe... Does he personally see it as legitimate wedding or legitimate marriage to her? And I'm not saying I'm, it's just I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm just wondering. Yes, he when does. He, goes he does back see to, it as a legitimate marriage. His time is always timey wimey. Why is this any different? I mean, we're also biased by knowing some of the future of the plot. No, I agree. I agree, but I'm just saying it would. It just. Well, we do know for sure because we have seen future episodes that the Doctor True. does consider them actually married. Spoilers. <laughs> and we know from past episodes that River considers them actually married. Right. But I'm saying he's, he outwardly sees them married. But my question is deep down inside because the Doctor isn't typically someone who likes to have those attachments because he knows that he will outlive just about anyone. And in River's case, he will outlive her because she already has given all her regenerations to him. Technically. Well, and he's seen her die. 
So, yeah. And so that's the one question I have is that it, it would have made it an interesting plot point at any point during this whole thing to kind of explore the doctor's kind of thought process on yeah, that. I well, they, I mean, I he loves more her. Explicitly, but also I think we saw in previous episodes this whole theme of like, oh, my companions, I'm not sure if I should really be close to them. But I think we mm-hmm. definitely see that resolved. And I think in some sense that resolves this issue of can I fully express love and be loved? Can I have that vulnerability and bring others into a vulnerable place? And I think that really, you know, suffices to what we want to see here is can the doctor really love that person and really be married to that person? And I think if we're being honest with each other about the main themes of this ending of the season, the doctor comes to a new revelation that he can, and that's important to him. And it's important for the whole situation, and it's right and true and just and so. Yeah, and that's why he's plans on, you know, visiting her and, you know, taking her out on adventures. You and know, she gets to go visit all his past selves, which she made uh, Amy aware of. All I'm going to say is, if the Doctor and Rivers' love for each other is anything compared for the love that Colin and Shelby share, then they've got a good long life ahead of them. Love you, Amen, <laughs> Well, I'm thinking they're the ones that are married. I know, I was joking. <laughs> the wedding of... <laughs> any rate, well, this wraps up the final episode of New Who for now. And this has uh, been a long time since we started this journey back in 2012. <laughs> No, yeah, 13. So, so 13. all of New Who is complete until there's a new episode. Exactly. I so guess what does this mean for us? Does this mean that we're hopping in the TARDIS back to season one, episode one of all of Doctor Who? Are we going classic? What's, what's happening here, Michael? I think the next thing we're going to be doing is seeing the pilot of Doctor Who and discussing an how... An unearthly child? N- even before an unearthly child, what? we've got the pilot. Yes, the, the actual pilot for Doctor Who still exists. And it was be it I was didn't know the there was unaired, a different one. It's an unaired version of the first episode of An Unearthly Child. And it is quite different in tone and in sequences and, and scenes. And in kidnapping? Um, it's a lot more br- Time will brutal. Tell. Oh, it's worse. Oh, damn. Oh, way worse. Yeah, way worse. <laughs> yeah, well, but I do that- like my dark doctor. So we'll see about this one. Uh, no, I don't think any doctor is as dark as the first doctor, as we'll probably find out in future Is episodes. it William Hartnell? Well, yeah. yeah it's still William Hartnell. Well, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, no, it's the same cast. Basic cast. Any rate... Have a good night, have a great week, and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Aloha. Good night. Bye.